1: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single moment. You can search out Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. Give us five stars. Dub is going to review those, and we will read some of them in the near future. They are rolling in. We appreciate all of you. If we read one of your reviews send you an autograph copy of my most recent book we are if you've been listening for the first hour honoring the legacy of rush limbaugh on the one year anniversary of his death just finished talking with his wife katherine about her experiences with rush and the radio show and more it was fantastic if you're just now starting off with us I encourage you to go listen to that first hour on podcast uh, amazing memories and experience that we just had with her and we bring in now A guy who has had a long time relationship with Rush Limbaugh as well. He is Sean Hannity. You might know him uh, from his fantastic radio show that follows us as well as his show that airs every single night at nine Eastern on Fox News. And Sean, appreciate you joining us. And, uh, I got to say right off the top, when did you first meet Rush? What kind of experience and relationship do you guys had? Did you guys have? And what do you recall about it?
3: Oh man! By the way, first congratulations to you guys. Thank uh, you, thank you. When when you follow the greatest of all time, um, it, it's it's always hard because it, naturally people make comparisons. You guys have done phenomenally well, and and I know Rush was never a zero sum game guy. He always he always wanted everyone else to succeed. He never viewed his success uh, based on the failure of others. Uh, Catherine's interview was great. She also did an interview with Ainsley on Fox and Friends. Yes. I think they have two hours on Fox Nation, which was amazing. Uh, the first time, he wouldn't even remember the first time I met him. I was up, I was a local host in Atlanta from 92 to 96 before Fox even went on the air. And I went up to New York and I just happened to visit the studios of WABC. I was up to do Phil Donahue's show and I popped my head in his office. And I I just said hello. And uh, his brother, David, who I love, you know, he's like family to me. Uh, He had negotiated all all my contracts. So we kind of arranged a quick hello, and and he was nice. Um, We did a contest once when he was doing his TV show, and I brought listeners up to New York. We stayed at the Plaza Hotel. Wasn't the greatest, but he was very gracious to me back then. And even during the live show, called me down, he had a a, – He was selling Rush ties at the time and gave me one of his ties, which were really, you know, very, very unique and and designed by by him, I think, at the time. Um, I think we all have really, we all owe him a, a debt of gratitude. When Rush started syndication, nobody thought syndication and radio in 1988 would work. And and here's this guy who was very successful in Sacramento, California, and he comes to New York, the number one radio market in the entire country. He has to do a two hour local show. He originally started a syndicated show as a two hour show. And all of a sudden, I I had just started in radio myself a year earlier. And I remember when somebody came up to me and told me, hey, uh, Rush Limbaugh, have you heard this guy? And I'm like, no, who's Rush? And he was on a local station. I was in Santa Barbara, California, just starting my, my career at UCSB. They they rightly threw me out of ta- threw me out of the school and out of town, ran me out of town, which got me my first professional gig in Huntsville, Alabama. And he got to hear this guy; he's a riot. And he would do these things like homeless updates, and he was funny. He was smart. He was a, a conservative. He he just pops out of the radio. And from that day forward, it was it was just obvious to anybody that would listen to him uh, how amazingly gifted and talented he was. The thing that I always took away from Rush is that he, he always had a unique take on whatever the issue of the day was, something that nobody else would ever think of. I can't tell you how many times I'd, I'd always like to listen to his opening monologue. And whatever the topic of the day was, he would – express it and bring up a point of view. And I'm like, why doesn't my brain think like that? He was, he was that gifted. And when he passed away a year ago, um, it, look, it was rough for everybody. And I said at the time that he's irreplaceable and he is. And I said at the time that those, what would rush want want us to do? He'd want us all to up our game and stay in the fight. He was a Patriot. He loved this country. He believed in the individual he loved freedom, he loved capitalism, he loved our Constitution, and he, he saved the AM band, and he also reinvigorated all things conservative, and this is at the beginning, at the end of, of Ronald Reagan conservatism. Uh, Newt Gingrich will tell you that 1994, the victory that, that swept the country uh, for the first time in 40 years, Republicans took back Congress. That wouldn't have happened without Rush Limbaugh. He led the way. I was a local host in Atlanta. I was the MC of Newt's event that night at the Cobb Galleria, and that was the night, imagine, 40 years in the wilderness, right? And Republicans got back in power. Rush played a very big part of it. And so he was the intellectual center of conservatism, but he also simultaneously mo- Music moved from the AM band to the FM band. And AM radio is beginning to die, and then all of these stations start converting over to talk radio or news talk radio. And he played the most pivotal role in all of that. He only could do three hours a day, so these stations had twenty-one other hours a day that they needed a program. And I remember filling in for him. That was the uh, an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm in the I'm in the beginning of my opening monologue, and the. Golden EIB mic, and it is golden, falls down right off the hinges. It's laying on the desk. Um, I stretch my neck down to finish the monologue. I'm thinking, okay, 600 stations. This is not going particularly well. And I finished, and, and Rush, I remember he comes back, and he goes, Sean, and he indented the golden EIB mic. You know, just typical Rush with a, with a great sense of humor. And um, I'm grateful to him more than anything else. I still have a hard time understanding that he's been gone a year. I still expect to hear him. I love that you kept his music. Uh, and it's, it's such a loss for, for the country, for conservatism. And the one thing that we all learned about Rush, and I said it at the, at the time when he passed away, we now know what Russia's bucket list was because when he announced that he had advanced stage four lung cancer, I think most people probably were like me. You probably got it on the internet. You probably started Googling. What is the latest advancements? We know, for example, leukemias that used to kill people 30 years ago, but they have a 95, 96% chance of saving people. What's the latest on lung cancer? I did my reading. There was nothing good that I was really seeing and he would go and take these extremely harsh treatments, and his only goal was not to check off a, a box on his bucket list. His only bucket list was to get back on, on the microphone, behind the microphone, back on the air, and talk to his audience. And I think that spoke volumes about him. That was his life's mission, his life's purpose. I would even argue his life's destiny. He, he That was what he was born to do. I got a a political cartoon, Clay. I I wish I remembered the guy's name. It's so beautiful. such a great gift. And I have it in my office. And it's Rush at the Pearly Gates. And he has in his hands talent. It says the word talent. And he says, I'm here to return. (laughs) Because people used to take what he said. It was tongue-in-cheek with talent on loan from God. I mean, he had this booming voice And then liberals, they would, like, bubble and fizz like Alka-Seltzer at everything he said. It cracked me up.
6: (laughs) Hey, Sean, it's it's Buck. I just want to know, if if you think Rush could tell his audience anything today, what do you think it would be?
3: I think he would want – look, Ronald Reagan said America is but one generation away – freedom is one generation away from extinction. The thing that drove Rush more than anything else was the passion and the love that he had for – This country, he was God, family, country. That was Rush Limbaugh, and he embodied all of that. Radio is, look, I do radio and TV. You guys do radio and TV. They're very different mediums. And on radio, it's a heart medium. And people will sense your sincerity, and they can detect a phony pretty quickly. And Rush had that connection with his audience. He was sincere. He was honest. He was fun. He was lively. He loved to share his life and the things that he cared about. If Rush got a passion for any one thing, it was he'd go all in, all 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 on board. I went down to his Palm Beach studios once to interview him, and Rush had a passion for all things, as you know, Apple. And Rush hands me two, not one iPhone, two iPhones. He goes, "I want you to try this one. It's a smaller version than." Try the big one and then write me back. Let me know which one you like better. I'm like, okay, Rush, thanks for the free phones, right? And he just would hand them out like, like <laughs> they were candy. I think he gave one to everybody that was there. He had an amazingly uh, generous side to him. I also think there was a part of Rush that maybe people don't know that was maybe more shy than people think. And I think he, I think he had to go through a lot because he forged that path that made it easier for everybody else. But as he was knocking down those trees and forging that path, he was taking a lot of slings and arrows and attacks. And and I don't think it was easy on him. I think it was very difficult. and But it made it easier for people like me and people like you guys and everybody else that's in talk radio to, to be able to follow him.
6: The legendary Sean, Sean Hannity. Sean, um, just any, any, any last thoughts for folks about the one-year anniversary?
3: You know, I'm very close to, to his brother, David. He's, he's negotiated every contract I've ever had in my life and I love him and I love his family. And I just, I'm thinking of him today. I'm thinking of Catherine today. I'm thinking of his, his nieces and nephews today. And I know that, that Rush would want one thing from all of his, his dedicated millions of listeners and that's to continue the mission that he dedicated his life to. And we'll think he's in our prayers, our thoughts, um, and, frankly, I just miss him on this day. A it's, lot of us it's, do. It's, it's, a, it's a tough day to think about losing. You talk about the greatest of all time. There's been a lot of talk about Tom Brady. Well, he was the GOAT of talk radio for sure.
6: Sean Hannity, everybody. Sean, thanks so much for speaking to us today and everyone across the country. All right, guys. We appreciate it. Thank Thanks so much, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Bye. In Hillsdale, Michigan sits a thriving college that's been a part of the American education system since the 1840s. Their mission is clear-cut, provide students with the very best classic liberal arts education. They're also dedicated to preserving and defending this nation's freedoms as defined in our Constitution. To that end, they've given themselves a challenge this winter to give a, to give away 1 million free copies of our U.S. Constitution. It comes your way in a pocket-sized document, and it's available right now at Hillsdale dot com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These two founding documents establish the freest and most prosperous nation in history. Hillsdale's premise is that if more people took the time to read what is written, we'd have much more agreement in this nation and less division. We know they're not wrong. To claim your own copy, go to clayandbuck dot com today. Tell them where you'd like your pocket constitution mailed and they'll send yours to you free. That website, again, is Clay and Buck for Hillsdale dot com.
4: Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: One thing I remember, I was so excited when he finally inaugurated his national show out of New York. I, I remember driving in town. I went out in my car to listen to the radio. And when I was so excited. When he came on, I I got goosebumps. That's my brother. That is so cool. And so I was ecstatic uh, about his success. So proud of,
6: of what he had done and what he was doing. There you have the words of David Limbaugh, Rush's brother, on just what a magnificent talent and a fantastic human being his brother Rush Limbaugh was. And we honor him today on the one year of his passing. And we know we are only able to do what we do right now, and we really mean that because of Rush Limbaugh. A lot of you want to weigh in. I know a lot of you are thinking about Rush across the country, wanted to hear from some of you. You know that phone number, 800-282-2882. Kevin in St. Louis, Missouri. What's up, Kevin? Hey, Clay and Buck. Uh,
3: thanks for taking my call. Um, great job you guys have done in the, this past year for filling in for Rush, so... Um, but I just want to let Thank you guys you. know that I am originally um, from, well, I am from Virginia, um, and I took the these past three days off yesterday, today, and Friday um, to come out here to St. Louis to pay my respects to Rush and visit him at his uh, grave site here in Bellefontaine Cemetery. So, um, yeah, so I traveled all the way out here just to see Rush. And uh, it is a rainy day, which is appropriate for the occasion, I think, you know. You know, it was a sad day.
6: How many years you you listen to Rush for?
3: Well, I am 27. I've been listening to him since I was 13, 14. Wow. I, I think, yeah, so I feel like, 2000, uh, if I'm mistaken, like
1: 2008, 2009, I think I started. Yeah, there's that's one of the things that strikes me the most about meeting Rush listeners, Buck, is uh, we know there's people out there who are in their 60s and 70s that listen for 30 years but young guys like that and girls who started off listening to Rush when they were maybe teenagers. in their cars yeah. with their yeah and, and yeah. you know teenagers even younger sometimes than teenagers and have grown up uh, with the show over all those years
6: and there's so many thanks so much Kevin and uh, good good on you for going out there and and you know, paying your respects to Rush yourself Clay you know even at, I'll be at CPAC uh, next week and it's yep. always been amazing at CPAC there's so many young people who are there and you know you know what overwhelmingly when you talk to them you know uh high school seniors college freshmen sophomores etc they go i say well what do you say I, I watch fox news and i and i listen to rush that was over those were the two big ones all the time with the college uh college republicans the college kids jay in windsor ontario jay you got a story for us i got a couple of them i'm very lucky to have two incidents with mr limbaugh that uh one was funny as blazes. Another one kind of almost got me in trouble. First one was in Delta's crown room in Dallas. I walked in. There was a big, tall, skinny guy standing at the table, and it was old Serpent Head. And so I said, hello, Mr. Carville, how are you? And uh, I got uh, asked for his autograph, and uh, he, <laughs> he autographed, believe it or not. I'm the only guy, I think, on the planet that has James Carville's autograph on the inside cover of a Rush Limbaugh book.
1: <laughs> and pretty funny.
6: Carvel was well, hey, It was cool. Carvel was great. When I brought it over, he had this little goofy smirk on his face, but he was really great. He's a nice guy. And his, wife, a his wife, his wife Mary, uh, I believe actually once sat behind the EIB mic, and Mary is absolutely a fantastic lady, Clay. She sent me the most detailed yeah. how to visit New Orleans email I've ever gotten about any place in my life. So I'm a big James, Mary Madeline fan.
1: I've met James Carvel too, and he is funny. Right. Uh, and, and honestly, um, he's got a good sense of humor. He's a huge sports fan. Right. Diehard LSU guy. And uh, yeah, obviously, the politics are different. From, he and his wife are such a perfect example. Yeah, he's of how a happy many warrior people,
6: Democrat, though. You know, he's I actually yeah. wish there were more people that were willing to get out there and, and engage the other side from the other side.
1: Well, and I mean, he's been willing to call out his own party for their absurd wokeness, too. Um, if you see a lot of the quotes that he has given in recent uh, recent memory. Um, he's a totally different Democrat. I mean, to your point on Happy Warrior, I mean, Bill Clinton uh, was a Happy Warrior when he ran in 92 with Carville as the guy who got him elected. Many other There's things a lot, a lot of Clinton
6: stuff we could talk <laughs> I don't know if Happy Warrior is mean, top n- of the, the list. I mean, the 92
1: but. Bill Clinton is nowhere
6: similar at all to 2016 Hillary. There's a solution to everyday pain you experience as a simple result of living and aging. It's called Relief Factor. Created by doctors and perfected over 15 years of scientific research, Relief Factor was made for you. With four key ingredients, Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free product that addresses joint, knee, hip, back, neck, and shoulder pain. Sam from Colorado knew that hundreds of thousands of people, 70% of people who try it have absolutely loved it. He wrote in to say, "Before spine surgery, Relief Factor helped me live with uh, Re- Relief Factor helped me, and it's brought the pain to a tolerable level." Look, Relief Factor is something you should try. Join the more than half a million people and order the three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety five. dollars Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to get the nineteen ninety three-week quick start developed for you. That's relieffactor.com.
7: There's been something, folks, that has been bothering me since this whole COVID-19 thing began. And you know what it is? I finally done figured it out out there. We're not acting at all like Americans. We're Americans. We beat back every enemy we have faced. And we have been fearless in confronting every enemy we have faced in large part because every enemy has come after us. We don't need to flatten the curve. We need to flatten the fear. And it is, this is new. We've never had an entire generation Paralyzed in fear with that paralysis rooted in comfort.
1: It is never ending. That was Rush Limbaugh, obviously, on the one year anniversary of his death, dissecting much of what Buck and I have continued to go after, which is the COVID insanity, the veil of madness that has continued to descend across all of this country. I do see, Buck, some signs of positivity out there. We've got kids who are willing to finally stand up all over California. There are protests, kids walking out of school to protest the fact that they have to wear masks still. We've got big wins that are being stacked in Virginia. Elections have consequences indeed. Glenn Youngkin has effectively ended the mask mandate in the state of Virginia. And it's worth noting that since he ended that mask mandate, cases in Virginia are down 71%. And so it feels even with people like Fauci, as we started off the show talking about the lies that are continuing to be, to be spread, I want to play this because this bill Banning school mask mandates was signed by Glenn Youngkin. I think it's a big reason why he got elected. Listen to cut three.
0: It is my distinct
7: privilege and honor to be able to sign Senate Bill 739 into law in the Commonwealth of Virginia.
1: And then let's build on it a bit more. He says parents now will decide this is on Fox that whether or not their kids wear masks, not. We're seeing a big
7: win for parents and for students all over the Commonwealth. And yes, the the science and, and medical opinion from so many folks has changed, but also the politics have changed. And so Virginia has been leading. Virginia will continue to lead. I am very excited that a bipartisan group came together. To pass this bill which i will sign into virginia law and we will make it very clear that parents in fact have the right to make a decision with regards to whether their child wears a mask or not the great thing is if your child uh should if you choose your child shouldn't wear a mask you can make that decision and if you want your child to wear a mask you can make that decision as well and that's what virginia is all about
6: isn't it amazing clay when somebody who's a republican wins an election? and actually does the things they say they're going to do right away i got to tell you it's it's good i feel like the youngkin voters of virginia must be nodding their heads saying all right you know we we got a guy here who's actually following through it's a, it's astonishing that fauci is out there saying that the children still need to be masked when you have more and more blue check doctors uh out there clay who are finally saying what and I, i'm sorry but For those of us who have been on the front lines of the anti-mask wars, which Clay and I, and this is a matter of public record, I like to remind people that when Clay had a syndicated morning show and I had a syndicated evening show, we used to talk on air about the mask issue in like April of 2020. I was like, Clay, why is everyone crazy? And Clay's like, I don't know, Buck, why is everyone going crazy? Not everybody, obviously, but the people that were believing the Fauci stuff. Meanwhile, there are doctors who are coming forward who are saying things that used to get you banned on Twitter. Here's CNN's Dr. Jonathan Reiner on the air over there. I think CDC leadership believes that any mask is better than no mask. But what what I'm here
7: to say is that if you want to wear a mask now, you should wear either an N95, a KN95 or a KF94, uh, mostly from, from Korea. Those three mask types are Extraordinarily protective against uh, 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 acquiring uh, COVID, a cloth mask, particularly a loose cloth mask or a bandana, you know, worn loosely around the face, is fashion. Every person should be. And and, 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 look, first of all,
6: I I don't even want to get into the fact that the data proves him wrong on the other point too, because Germany has had an N95 mandate, did absolutely nothing. But just put that aside for a second, Clay. It's fashion. Here's a doctor on TV, the cloth mask on CNN, that that people were screaming at me in my own building where I lived. You put your mask on while they're wearing, you know, a a Hillary Bernie balaclava over their face or whatever. I'm sitting here like, listen, commie, get a grip. It, It is going
1: to be hysterical to see in the years ahead how many people claim that they always knew masks were worthless. You know, there's a great story when a, a, a big event happens in sports. After that event, like 10 years later, a million people claim they were there. You know, there's only 60 or 70,000 people who sit in the stadium. But when a really famous play happens and it continues to grow in the years ahead, way more people claim that they were there than could have ever been statistically possible based on the number of seats. But you and I are going to have so many people in the media. Who five and 10 years from now are going to say, you know what? I always knew those masks never worked, but they they didn't say a word and they wore it and they lectured other people who didn't. I guarantee you that's where we're I, headed. I
6: actually had a, a writer friend of mine who was on my uh, my show at the first TV admit yesterday on air. She, she at one point she was she was like, I, we need to have an open debate on masks. And out of respect and friendship for her, I was like, We really don't. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> I don't
6: think you want to go there. And and a year that was over that was maybe in June of twenty twenty. I mean, that was a long time ago. And last night she's like, You were you were so right. You and Claire are so right on the mat. It's just like, Yes, yeah, look, yes, we are.
1: I uh look, there are going to be things that everybody gets wrong. And I'm married, so I hear about the things that I get wrong all the time. You're always
6: me. wrong when, when it comes <laughs> to Mrs. Travis until proven otherwise, Claire. That's right.
1: Any married man any decision that he makes is, is, is always wrong. Uh, but I do have to say, this is one that you and I completely nailed from the get-go. When people were saying, oh, if you even uttered the essence of questioning masks, they would try to ban you on Twitter. A lot of people got banned for it on Twitter. And I just think when Fauci, what is Fauci like 81 now? Um, when the books are written about this era of America... He's going to be an incredible villain and all of the things that he has gotten wrong. Everybody wants to talk about the right and wrong side of history. Fauci's been on the wrong side of history for so many issues. And I think it's instructive, Buck, because there's this idea that people who are on the wrong side of history, that they intentionally are putting themselves there. I think what happened with him was he painted himself into corner after corner And when confronted with options, you can acknowledge the data has changed. You can acknowledge that maybe some of your earlier advice was wrong. He constantly tried to pretend that he wasn't reversing himself and he never was willing to acknowledge on something like masks or school shutdowns that they never made any sense and they panicked and they overreacted.
6: Fauci always told the Democrats, the Libs, the commie apparatus of the media, what they wanted to hear. He was never willing to say, grow up, stop being babies. This isn't the way to do this. We're not putting caution tape around the playgrounds. We're not arresting paddle paddleboarders in the ocean. We're not shutting down public parks. We're not masking up outside. We're not masking up kids because it's child abuse. Never once in two years did this individual, the single loudest voice for lockdowns and masking and vaccination, never once did he have a moment of courage, never once did he have a moment of conscience. It's absolutely appalling, and I am not letting it go, and we are not done in this fight until every face is free. And also,
1: I just, the, the idea, Buck, that we tied up swings. That we tied up swings on playgrounds and we took away basketball rims. That's just going to be such an evocative picture one day. People are not going to believe it ever happened. Uh, Mike Lindell, he's the inventor of my pillow and this team. They fit us for our own pillows, introduced us to their ever-growing list of incredible products. Listen to all the things they have. Towel sets, slippers, robes, mattress toppers, Giza sheets, top of many more. You know, Mike Lindell's out there fighting right now for the Canadian truckers. He fights for people to be able to have a voice. And he's constantly in danger of being canceled himself, but he doesn't care because he is trying to fight for the First Amendment and everybody's rights to have a voice. And you can support him by buying his great product, including... Look, these my slippers my wife wears. She got them for all of her girlfriends, all of her running partners. She absolutely loves them. The kids have them. We got them in the house. Two layers of foam, layer of impact gel. They are wildly comfortable. They can be worn all day long, indoors and outdoors. They're made from high quality leather. And listen to this right now. 50% off these my slippers. I need to tell my wife so I can save us some money. off she bought these for all Of her friends you can do the same Log on to mypillow.com Click on the radio listener specials Use the promo code Clay and Buck 60 day money back guarantee and You'll also get a copy of Mike Lindell's Book for free use our Code Clay and Buck at mypillow.com Get your own slippers You can also call 800-792-3269
4: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
7: He's now warning, my friends, it could take up to five years before the coronavirus pandemic is under control. You know what this is starting to sound like? This whole coronavirus story is starting to remind me of climate change.
6: Indeed. Rush saw it, folks. He knew they were going to drag this out be an excuse for Democrat tyranny, and he knew. And so we continue the fight, as we've said, on this and many other issues today. We honor Rush Limbaugh, the one-year anniversary. And speaking of this thing stretching on for years and years, which now we're in year two already, right? Uh, There are some out there who are making the claim right now, Clay, that we said it was just a matter of time. Now, I don't think anyone goes to Joy Behar for medical or really (laughs) hopefully no advice of any kind. But just in case you're wondering, she now plans to wear a mask forever. Personally,
7: personally. Okay, <laughs> personally. personally, I listen to the little voice in my head mm-hmm. that doesn't really follow 100 percent what they tell me because mm-hmm. they keep changing it. Yep. Right. So, like very short time ago, they were saying put the N95 masks right. on and make. And now they make sure it's a. And now they're saying you don't have to wear them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, if I go on the subway, mm-hmm. if I go in a bus, if I go into the theater, if I go into um, where else would I a go? A crowded spot. A crowded yeah. place. Okay. I would. Wear a mask. And I might do that indefinitely Mm -hmm. because why do I need a flu or a cold either? And so I'm listening to myself right now. I sort of, I mean, I don't think it's 100% safe
8: yet.
1: Forever, Clay. So does Joy Behar ride the subway? I bet she hasn't been on the subway in years. That was my first thought when I I heard this clip. I mean, my first thought is there are lots of people who are deranged, uh, antisocial, lunatic losers who don't look at data. Like she's Joy going to make Bay sure the
6: the, and, the butlers and the chauffeurs are masked up, though. That's yeah, going to be her they, mask policy.
1: They will be wearing masks for a long time. But when she said, "When I go into the subway or the bus," the bus is even funnier. She definitely I has not ridden the bus. She's in not ridden in the bus. 50 And I'll be, years. I'll be, I'll be, I used to ride the city bus, uh, to and from school. So I've been on my fair share of city buses over the years. I don't remember the last. When was the last time you were on a bus? I don't even know anybody that
6: rides buses. I mean, I, I, not only would I rather generally walk, I'd rather be late because in New York City, the bus just it's painful. It takes forever. It just takes. Forever. Yeah,
1: I used to ride the city bus, like I said, when I was in school, but I haven't been on a city bus in for I can't even think of the last time I would have been on a bus. I
6: used to t- I remember the early days of the pandemic. I used to take the subway I was a double commuter, so I would commute yeah. down to Tribeca, the bottom of Manhattan, back uptown, and then go back downtown because I was doing two shows and back uptown. So I, I was in the subway four times a day at the start of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, subway, like, I feel as if most people who are somewhat normal would ride the subway, but when Joy Behar is, be- Behar is trying to say, like, I'm such a normal person, when I'm riding the subway or the bus, I guarantee you, I would we, Joy Behar on a bus would be unprecedented, right? If, if, if in New York City, I mean, you'd know better than me, but uh, there's no way she's been on
6: a bus in 25 years. I know it's funny though. If I'm on the bus, <laughs> yeah, that'll be the day, Joy. We're we're, we're no, Clay. But keep in mind, she's saying she's basically going to mask up forever. And some of yes. us have said that this was going to be where they would go because mask mania is a mental illness. Along with this, we have been. You and I have said for I can't even count all the months. And everyone listening, they they're along with us. They know this stuff too, which is why they listen to the show. They agree with us. Uh, that there's gonna be shots forever. Well, it yes. turns out there's a very important public service announcement, sort of, sort of, from a, a Dr. Fauci ish. ...who is out there right now explaining that once you get to shot 18,
8: 19, 20, you barely even feel it. Okay, the first dose is really just to loosen up the vein for the second dose... ...so the NRA can get comfortable from the third shot. After the fourth dose, you feel protected, but aren't. And once all the population has received the fifth dose... Restrictions can be relaxed as the sixth stops the spread. However, the seventh dose vigorously Does disagrees keep going? with the How many sixth, more? reducing protection and calling for an emergency eighth dose, which is really just a placebo, tricking the ninth and tenth shots. The 11th will clot the blood just in time for the 12th to declot. And since 13's an unlucky number, we shoot straight to the 14th to be safe. The clinical phase of the 15th confirms antibodies remain stable after the 16th injection. The shots 17 through 24 will be developed in record speed, so there's really no reason to go questioning the 25th jab. Now let's talk about boosters. The first seven are just to sort of warm up the body <laughs> That's Tyler Fisher.
6: Who's That's a really fantastic funny. comedian. Uh, you can follow him. TylerFisher.com is his website. He, Clay, he's he's the one who really popularized the stopping of the droplets. Uh, he's that, great. And, and I mean, I just like, he's right. The first seven boosters, they're really just getting you ready for
1: the eighth booster. Fauci literally said yesterday that the fourth shot is probably going to be coming soon. And and when, when I retweeted that, I said, you know, at some point, you would think, that reasonably intelligent adults would one say, when does this ever end? And the answer appears to be never. And then the second part of that is you recognize that we've basically given for profit pharmaceutical companies annual annuities of billions of, tens dollars, of billions, tens of billions. tens of billions for years into the future that never end. I mean, and nobody's even asking a question about that entire
6: process here's the question that joe biden should be asked at every press conference now until whenever do vaccines up to this point stop the spread mr president i want to hear him i want him on the record over and over again saying oh, they're great because the answer to the question is they do not stop the spread and that's what they want to avoid saying which is
1: why any mandate makes
6: complete statements We'll be coming back here in just a few moments talking about the latest with the Canadian truckers, the whole situation there. Trudeau might have the crackdown. Plus, is Russia going into Ukraine? There's some artillery rounds being fired. That and more coming up.
1: Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines
5: of truth.